Welcome in to the Who Day Den. We are so close to getting some game reps. The preseason is so close you can almost taste it. If I may channel my inner Natasha Bedingfield. But first, I want to talk a little bit about mm, some recent practices. So, oh gosh, I don't know. Last week, the world was uh, caving in around us as Bengals fans. I think I mentioned on the last episode, um, yeah, Burrow looked a little rusty. Jamar wasn't separating. And the takes, the bad takes, started flying across social media, uh, mainly among, from what I saw, non-Bengals fans. But some Bengals fans were getting a little upset, a little impatient. And wouldn't you know that, you know, a couple practices later, we see some clips of Jam- uh, Jamar Chase looking a little bit better, getting some separation on a woozy A. Uh, I think it was on a seven on a seven. Uh, Joe Burrow looks good out there. He's made some good plays, looking a little bit more comfortable. All reports from beat writers and media that have been attending the last few training camp practices say that Burrow does look better. And imagine that the player coming off of a major knee injury looks to be more comfortable with the more reps he gets. It's, it's amazing. You know, turns out the first padded practice maybe wasn't the best time to be drawing some conclusions for the rest of the season the rest of the career of this man. So I think Joe Burrow is going to be fine. I've said from the start, I do think it's going to be a little bit of a rusty up to first month or so of the season. I'm assuming he's not playing in any preseason games. So his real first game reps are going to come against opponents that are giving 110% on the defensive side. So it's, it's going to be an adjustment and I don't necessarily expect him to hit the ground running with, 300 yard passing games back to back to back to start the season or anything like that. But I think he's going to get more comfortable. The more reps he gets same with Jamar chase. We forget, maybe we forget that he took a year off last year. He didn't play in 2020. So, you know, granted his wasn't due to injury that he's coming off of, but he has some rust that he has to knock off as well. I I assume he's been working out and taking care of himself and crafting his skills in the meantime, but it's not the same as going up against other professionals on the football field. So Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, I never had concerns about either one. Others seemed to, and at least some of the clips we've been seeing put some of that to rest. Granted, it's going to take some actual real meaningful games before people maybe are 100% comfortable with the Bengals situation, but Man, I don't know if you've seen any of the clips, but T. Higgins looks like a monster. He looks like he is primed for a huge year. And I do wonder a little bit what the excitement level would be league-wide, not just in Cincinnati, around T. Higgins if Jamar Chase wasn't in town. Jamar has taken a little bit of that spotlight, and I do believe that Jamar is going to be the number one option in this offense sooner rather than later. But that's not to to say anything bad against T. Higgins. He is a monster. He looked great last year. I think it took about two or three games, I believe, maybe four. I don't have his uh, game log in front of me here, but he, he didn't do a whole lot early on in the season. And then once it started to click, you could just tell he gained confidence each game. Uh, Burrow started to look his way a lot more often, and he was primed for a really solid rookie season, even after Burrow went out, he finished the year well, all things considered. And um, I think he's going to have a huge year. I wouldn't be shocked if T. Higgins 
is perhaps the number one option in this offense. So I guess the, the, the top wide receiver stats wise at the end of this year. Um, I think Jamar, like I said, will be the number one eventually, but man, T Higgins looks nice. So this episode, I wanted to touch on some things. I got four things here that I am going to be carefully watching through the preseason. I put a little pulse check out there on Facebook. So I have recently tried to get back into uh, Facebook a little bit. Not really my thing. I typically have been out on Twitter and there's a good community out there, but I realize not everybody is on Twitter. So I started to get a little bit more involved in a Facebook group I joined a while ago. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals fans is the group. I think it's got like uh, 15,000. Yeah, 15,000 members in it. And um, it's been fun to get more involved in there and talk Bengals. A little maddening sometimes with some of the takes you see, but, you know, it's all good. And um, I, I put a post out there just asking others what they were looking forward to for the offseason. And pretty common themes. Everyone's interested in the offensive line. Uh, tends to be the the main thing everybody's wondering about, probably inside and outside of Cincinnati. And you can't blame them. I want to get a little bit more specific about the things that I am looking for in the preseason. So recall, preseason is only going to be four, uh, three weeks now instead of four weeks. So starting on Saturday, August 14th will be the first preseason game. Not sure when you're listening to this. It may have already occurred. But the first thing and probably the most important thing that I'm going to be watching is the battle at the right guard position. So offensive line as a whole, yes, I hope we see Jonah Williams play well. I hope Riley Reef plays well. Hope Trey Hopkins looks all right coming back from an injury. All those things I hope for. But I want to narrow it down a little bit more to the right guard position. It's very intriguing for a number of reasons. So for one, we have Jackson Carmen, the rookie we drafted in the second round, that has been plummeting down the depth chart, it seems. And I'm curious as to whether he is going to end the preseason where he's beginning it. So I believe right now he is lifted, listed as the third string right guard behind Michael Jordan and Xavier Suafilu, I believe. So Jackson Carmen third there at the right guard position. Now, look, I think we want him to be starting for us in week one, mainly for the optics of it. It doesn't look great when you pass on Pene Sewell, you get ridiculed for it and you take Jamar Chase, if you pass on Sewell, who is considered a generational talent, we'll see how it plays out, but considered the best tackle in the class, the, the best guy you could get to protect your quarterback in this rookie class, and you pass on him, and you say, we're going to get some guys second round, fourth round, wherever it may be, you need at least one of those guys to hit, because if they don't, that does not look good. So yes, from an optics perspective, we want Jackson Carmen out there starting. But I think if we're being honest, if we, if I say we know, I don't think we'll really know. Maybe we'll be able to tell a little bit in the games. But if the coaches are telling us that there is another offensive lineman on this roster that is better at protecting Joe Burrow, by all means, please start that dude. If his name's not Jackson Carmen, then it's not Jackson Carmen. Hopefully he can develop into a starter. I don't really care who it is. I, I hope it's Jackson Carmen. I hope he's the best option we have. But if he's not, get the guy in there that's going to be able to protect Joe Burrow the best. 
Uh, Jay Morrison wrote recently, I think it was actually today in the athletic shout out the athletic. I just got a subscription. So I hated missing out on all the Paul Daner and Jay Morrison stuff that they were putting out there that was behind a paywall. So I do highly recommend it. I've already been on the app a lot on my phone, reading lots of uh, uh, beat writer type of things uh, around the team. But Morrison wrote today about how, you know, basically there's some tough love being shown here. And some of the comments we've heard from the coaches have led us to believe that Jackson Carmen is not where he needs to be to just start the season as the presumed starter at right guard. He needs to work his way up. He needs to prove it. He needs to earn it. Um, and maybe that tough love isn't just putting on a show for him or trying to send a message because Morrison notes that Carmen's practice reps are actually going down as well. He is not uh, ramping up as we would hope he would be. So he got some run with the first team offense early in OTAs and training camp and has since been getting less and less of those opportunities. So let's hope he can turn it around. Kind of one tangent I want to make, and I don't want to make this from a biased Bengals fan, let's make excuses perspective, because every fan base loves to make excuses, and we are uh, not immune to that either. But let's also not pretend that other rookies, and specifically rookie offensive linemen, aren't also struggling too. There was an article that came out, I think it was this week or this past weekend, about Penny Sewell, and he hasn't been quite as sharp as people had hoped. That's not to say he's a bust by any means. I would say if he was in Cincinnati, though, we would hear all about it, but whatever. He hasn't looked as sharp as people would have expected, and guess what? He didn't play last year either, so let's give some of these guys a benefit of the doubt that are trying to get back into to game shape here and also while acclimating to the pros. Um, Tevin Jenkins, I think, was the guy that we we passed on when we traded back in the second round and he was falling a little bit more than most had expected. And I will be honest, I didn't do, I think I mentioned it in episode four with Mike, when we talked the offensive line, I didn't do a deep scouting into offensive linemen. I kind of just went off what other people said about the linemen and how they ranked them. And I knew Tevin Jenkins was one that he's not supposed to be there for us. And there he is in round two and we trade back and we miss out on him. And wow, the Bengals are so dumb. Well, wouldn't you know, Tevin Jenkins is struggling through some injuries. I think there are um, some actual potential long-term concerns with his injured back and how long it's taking to, to heal. So he's currently not making an impact for his team. Uh, another guy that I saw recently was Quinn Miners. Now he was, I think from, he was a small school, UW Whitewater. I think that was University of Wisconsin Whitewater or something. It was a small school. And the main reason I know his name is because I saw it all the time when I was doing PFF mocks in March and early April, and he was always there, a guard in like round three. Well, we didn't take him. He ended up going in round three to Denver and, you know, reports out of Denver that he is a more long-term developmental guy. It's unlikely that he's going to make much of an impact. Um, Now, were they expecting him in round three? Maybe not, but all that to say, there's development being taking place across the league with rookies and offensive linemen. So I'm not necessarily freaking out on Jackson Carmen yet. Um, but I do want to see him get some reps here in the preseason and see how he looks, whether he's working with second team, third team. Uh, I know if he's working with third team, you would assume he's going up against third team uh, defenses as well. So that, you know, you have to 
consider that as well. But no matter who he's playing with, I want to see if he's able to do his job. If he's in there with the second and third team and he is getting blown up every play, then that's not going to bode well for him to be a starter. Um, but hopefully we see some development over the three preseason games. If not Jackson Carmen at right guard, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Michael J- Jordan? Has Michael Jordan really improved enough to be a starter? If he hasn't improved and he's still a starter, then we've got some real problems at right guard because Jordan wasn't great last year. I think the whole blaming Michael Jordan for the Joe Burrow injury is ridiculous. Um, he was the guy that got beat on that play, but the the injury to Joe Burrow was at the fault of the offensive line coach and our front office who didn't make enough moves to fortify that line in front of Joe Burrow. And Jordan happened to be the one that got beat last year on that play that, you know, inevitably injured Joe. So I don't want to say he's at fault for that. I think he gets a lot more flack. We think he's a lot worse than he is because of that. Now, granted, he's not good. I'm not saying he's good, but apparently he put in some work in the off season. We'll see if the addition of Frank Pollock, I think we all agree Frank Pollock's a good coach. Everybody pretty much agrees across the board that Frank Pollock is a good coach. So at this point, I have no reason not to trust him. Apparently, he wanted Jackson Carmen and he got Jackson Carmen. Whatever he saw in him, I'm going to trust that he's going to try to develop it. And if if Pollock is saying Michael Jordan's the best option right now at right guard, he's improved enough to be a starter, then, like I said, whoever's going to protect Joe, good with me. We'll see. But that will be probably the most important thing I'll be watching through the three preseason games. Now, secondly, I want to talk the defensive line. I don't have a specific player here. I'm not exactly sure how they're going to work the rotation um, through the preseason. But I just want to see in general if our defensive line is able to generate pressure. And that was something we talked about. I think that was episode five with Mike. I talked about a little bit with Zim in our episode as well. Our defensive line struggled to say the least generating any pressure on the opposing quarterbacks last year are they able to get any push are we able to i think we're hearing a lot about the defensive backs out of training camp have been doing a pretty good job sticking with our receivers um they've played pretty well pretty well Wuzier's played well we know bates is awesome uh, but can the defensive line get any push show improvement from where they were last year I don't know how much uh, our big free agent signee Trey Hendrickson is going to play. I know he's missed a lot of practice lately. I believe he has now returned. I'm not sure if they'll rush him back into preseason action or not, but I expect him to get some reps at some point. I want to see what he looks like. I think rookie Joseph Asai, who has had an up and down training camp period, what he looks like. I think I mentioned in a previous episode, Osai, I think could be a skeleton key for this offense this year. But I I think that's more of a, hey, best case scenario, that would be awesome if that happened. I don't really want to be depending on Osai to be the guy that's going to be, you know, flipping our defensive line and making it all of a sudden a terror to go against. But I want to see how he plays out there. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi's returned to practice and apparently has looked really well. So want to see if that carries over into these preseason games too. We just need to see our defense harass the quarterback. And we mentioned with Zim in episode eight, I think it was, um, I'm really good at plugging previous episodes. If you haven't gone and listened to those, those were really fun. Go, go back starting, I think episode like four or something, but Uh, I think with Zim, we were talking about um, this defense being probably more of like a bend but don't break type of defense. 
And I think a big part of that will be if our defensive line is able to get pressure, that's going to help. <laughs> it, it will regardless of what type of defense you have. When you're able to get pressure on the quarterback, that helps your DBs. It could help mask some of our question marks at linebacker. We don't know how good Logan Wilson's going to be in his second year. We don't know how Akeem uh, Davis Aker, Gaither, you know what I'm trying to say, is going to be used. So I- I'm interested to see if our line gets pushed this year, uh, this preseason. I'll be watching for that as well. Number three, Jamar Chase. Now, I mentioned previously, I am not concerned about Jamar Chase long term. I think he's fine. I think the talk about he's so fully transparent here. I'm I'm pretty much a fantasy football account out on Twitter. I'm trying to change that a little bit and get more into Bengals fandom area as well. Uh, But a lot of the takes I see about the Bengals are usually coming from a fantasy football type perspective. So when the report came out that Jamar Chase was struggling to separate in practice, I saw a lot of, you know, who else struggled to separate? Nikhil Harry, and he's busted with New England, so look out. Um, That's a little ridiculous to me. One, if you watched college tape, Jamar Chase wasn't an elite separator in college either, so this shouldn't be a surprise if you heard he's not getting great separation in practice. Granted, it doesn't sound good. You would like to hear that he's just torching DBs, but he's not getting great separation. I'm like, well, okay, that's not quite his game. He's kind of a bully ball type of guy, extremely physical. Uh, I I remember the Alabama game, I believe. They kept trying to jam him at the line, and he was just so physical getting off the line, uh, beating his guy. He's crafty with the way he uses his hands and the way he uses his body to get the ball. It's a good 50, 50 guy. So I, a good yak guy. Another thing I I'm not concerned about Jamar chase. I think also let's not forget that creating separation through precise route running is a skill you can develop. It can be developed. And I, I saw somebody else mention this. Sorry. I don't remember who, talking about uh, like a DeAndre Hopkins wasn't one that was necessarily known for great separation in college or early in his career. And now in the NFL has just been extremely dominant. It's a skill that can be learned and you don't even have to be the greatest separator to be a good wide receiver. If you've got some other elite skills in there as well. So all that to say, I am not concerned about Jamar chase, but I would like to see at least one splash play from him. Now, let me say this is more like just so we can uh, shut up the haters and all the outside noise out there that's doubting whether he's a worthy pick. Is it going to silence them? Of course not. They're always going to doubt and say we should have taken Sewell the first time and any time Joe Burrow gets pressured, knocked down, sacked throughout the season. It'll be, see, couldn't even get it to Jamar Chase because Sewell's not there. Whatever, but just one play, just something that just shows that ceiling that he has, whether it's his uh yak ability he is so good after the catch breaking tackles and then he's got that disgusting speed that we talked about last episode where when you look at his agility numbers and his speed numbers they're like 96th percentile type of stuff so he's an explosive player with the ball in his hands um i just want to see him do something that is just like yes that's the jamar chase that we're looking forward to and i want to play a little bit of jamar had a uh press conference media day, whatever you want to call it, 
on Wednesday of this week. And I want to play a little bit from that because I thought something he mentioned. One, I would recommend listening to the whole thing. It was it was really insightful. I hadn't really heard Jamar Chase um, speak at length before. And I thought he gave a he was very introspective and gave a lot of insight into I felt like there's a lot of transparency in his answers as well. Not a whole lot of throwing out um, cliches necessarily, but he was pretty transparent about the things he struggled with and, you know, things like that as well. So I want to play a little bit of that presser real quick and you can hear what he had to say. Or being away from, from playing for a year, was it hard to kind of get back into the swing of things? Did it come easier or was it hard to maybe even anticipate it? Um, I would say the only difficult thing was my quickness, you know, uh, not as in like quickness as in, as in, you know, athletic ability, but you know, mind quickness, you know, um, reaction time quickness. That's that's what it's all about. And, you know, me sitting off that whole year, um, definitely sure when I got back out here, I thought everything was going to be fine for me. And then uh, that was the one game, one thing of the game phase, you know, I had trouble with. Nick, do you feel the difference in just the last two weeks, maybe from day one to yesterday? Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I definitely, I feel it every day, you know, um, making my adjustments faster. You know, it's just about getting better on the offense. So as I listened to that part, one, again, like I said, extremely introspective to say this is an area where I thought it was going to be easy, and it hasn't been. And as I was thinking about it, I he's another guy that's going to have a little bit of rust right now, and he mentions the, the quickness of ability to make quick decisions. And I, I think that could be leading to him overthinking a little bit of um, – the wide receiver position right now. So we've seen him have some drops, which I don't really think that was something he struggled with in college. So that's kind of popped up out of nowhere. Maybe he's thinking a little bit more about the routes he's running and how to create the separation instead of just doing he's overthinking. So I think that's somewhat expected when he's taking this much time off, but getting some, again, practice reps and then game reps in here and seeing him just go out there and just play the way he knows how to play, I'm excited to see that. And hopefully we get to see him take one to the house in the preseason. All right, the fourth and final thing I am watching, and this is a weird thing to be excited about, I think, is the kicker battle. That's that's right, the kicker position. So by all accounts, both uh, Austin Seibert, Evan McPherson, they've been good in practice. Um, I know the Saturday back together Saturday thing that they had that I went to just watching the two of them. It seems like a friendly competition between the two of them, but it was just like you kick a 30 yarder. Now it's my turn. I kick at the 30 yarder and then they move it back and they're just like trading blows back and forth and going toe to toe pun intended. It was fun to watch. And I think it's weird for Cincinnati to maybe have now two good, dependable kickers to choose from. And it scares me a little bit. And I think it's because I'm a jaded fan. I don't think you can blame me. And you maybe you feel the same way. I feel like we're going to choose the wrong one. The one that somehow just gets the yips all of a sudden once the games start. The other one signs as a starter elsewhere and is amazing. That's just the fear I have. I, I wish I didn't, but I do. But it's kind of interesting that we have two guys that have shown out pretty well so far in training camp and when the preseason games start i'm not sure exactly how they'll divvy up who gets the majority of the opportunities um but i'm interested to see i think mcpherson's got a really strong leg i've been impressed from what i've seen hitting like 
55, 60 yard. Again, this is not against a rush and the ball's usually on a tee type of thing when he's hitting it. You know what I'm talking about? Like the little thing that holds the ball for you. It's not like a punter getting the ball and turning the laces out real quick. It's different in a game. But regardless, he's got leg power, which is awesome. And I think maybe some of my jadedness comes from previous experience. Back in 2017, the Bengals draft Jake Elliott in round five. We then cut him before the season. Philly signs him. And actually, I went to go look at his numbers. And from a accuracy perspective, percentage perspective he really wasn't a more accurate kicker than randy bullock in his time here but i think jake elliott had much more leg power and i think maybe bullock got a little bit of a uh i'm not gonna say he got a raw deal here because kind of brought it upon himself but maybe we think a little less fondly of him because of the kicks he missed but he really didn't miss that many kicks when you look at the stats just the ones he missed seem to be in big moments and somewhat egregious. But I'm looking forward to having a kicker that we don't have to hold our breath, even at PATs uh, attempts at field goals over 40 yards. I want to feel confident like my kicker can make this kick. I want to feel, you know, you, you wouldn't be extremely confident, but I want to feel pretty good that my kicker is going to be able to make a 50 yard or 55 yarder. We trot them out there because it's the end of the half and it, we have no timeouts left. And we're going to say, you know, we're going to try a 59 yard. I want to feel like there's a chance this might go in. I didn't really ever feel that with Bullock if it was beyond 50. So we'll see how that plays out. It'll be pretty interesting. And um, I'm excited to have a reliable kicker one way or the other, whoever wins out on that. All right. So between Tampa Bay on August 14th, the Washington football team on the 20th, and Miami Dolphins on the 29th, those are the three preseason games. And the aforementioned four things will be what I am watching for specifically in those games in the second, third quarter, fourth quarter, when you start getting, it starts getting ugly sometimes in these preseason games. I'm going to, I'm going to push through guys. I'll do it for you. Okay. I'm going to watch these games and there's some cool things that we might see, you know, for what, three weeks from now. August 30th, August 31st, we'll be done with preseason. We'll have an idea of where the depth chart probably will stand. It's going to be exciting, and we'll have a couple weeks to get pumped up for week one. All right, as I've mentioned a million times, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Taylor Cornell. But I also, like I said, I'm trying to get more involved in that Facebook group. If you are out on Facebook, that's more your thing. Search for Cincinnati Bengals fans. Find that group. I think it's a uh, private group, so you got to get added in by the admins. But there's some good discussion in there. You can find me out there. Always um, interested in talking to people and getting an idea of what you guys want to hear on the Bengals podcast. I am thankful for the support. I want to mention that as well. The last couple episodes have uh, blown every other episode out of the water. I know I'm early on in the podcast adventure here, but uh, definitely appreciative of the support all the listens we're getting right now hopefully you stick around i don't remember if i've teased this before but we have a few as in more than one or two pretty big guests coming down the pike a little bit closer to when week one kicks off so i don't want to spoil anything yet until all of the t's are crossed i's are dotted and whatnot but i am extremely excited to have some some of these guests on names that you will recognize and, uh, you know, if you want to join the movement, I am 
in operation secure chat ochocinco mode so you know i'm just putting my feelers out there on twitter trying to get him to engage with me a little bit and maybe i'll bother him enough that he jumps on sometime but anyways thank you for listening until next time who day <laughs>